Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans and Jeff Shade, a show that simplifies the complexities of investments, taxes, retirement, and more so you can discover how to better sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Brian is a CPA with 30 years experience and a financial advisor, which brings a unique perspective to the financial world. This show is brought to you by Madrona Financial and CPAs, home of the Rooted Wealth Plan. Want a retirement plan designed to last 30 plus years? Go to madronafinancial.com and click Get Started to see what the Rooted Wealth Plan can do for you. And now, here are your hosts, Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. Thank you so much. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help sustain yourself your wealth for 30 plus years. On today's show, we're going to be discussing dividends and why this income strategy may not look as good as you think. Also, we'll be talking about a comprehensive investment menu, what that entails. My name is Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions. But of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice, they come from Brian Evans, CEO and President of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Hey, Brian, how you doing? today. I'm doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear that, Brian. I hope our listeners are doing well today, too. Got another great show lined up for us. Brian, I read an article recently that suggested that dividend stocks were the way to go. What is your take on dividends, not just in stocks, but in your entire portfolio? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've noticed is that there's so much out there, financial literature, radio shows, articles, internet, all that kind of thing. And so much of it's just trying to dumb things down as far as I'm concerned. And so, yeah, there's been a lot of articles I've read recently about, okay, here's your panacea. Here's all you need. All you need is dividend stocks. Put all your money in dividend stocks. I don't know you, don't know your financial situation, your cash flow, your risk tolerance, your life situation, your age, but I can sit here and pen out an article and tell you what to do with your money to have a successful retirement. I'm like, whoa. Okay. Well, I don't know about that, Jeff. I don't know if somebody can sit there and just say, I figured it out. This is all you need. And and one of the common themes that whether it's put all your money in dividend stocks, we'll talk about some of the particulars about that in a moment, or put all your money in annuities or put it all in real estate or put it all in this, put it all in gold, put it all in crypto, put it all in whatever. And whatever it is, I keep reading this stuff and going, Well, wait a second. The one thing that you've left out, all of you have left out of your articles and your talks, is the detriments. See, every investment strategy has detriments, including dividend stocks. You think, well, what could be wrong with a dividend stock? Well, plenty, and we'll talk about that. But uh, there's plenty wrong with every investment. It's not just dividend stocks. This is every investment has plenty wrong with it and also potentially plenty right with it. So it's figuring that out the right mix of that, which is super important. But yeah, just to say dividend stocks are are all you need in retirement to be successful, I think that that leaves a little to be desired. And Brian, I mentioned dividend stocks there, but of course, stocks are not the only things that you can get dividends from. What are some examples of other investment tools that you can get dividends from? Yeah, dividends are basically just cash distributions. And what's interesting about dividends is a lot of people think, well, that must be what the company is earning. No, it's it's not what the company is earning. It's just what they've decided to distribute in cash to the shareholders. And so you've got companies that earn a lot of money, Berkshire Hathaway. They have never distributed a dividend in their history. And you've got other companies that distribute really nice dividends, and they may be showing a net loss for the year, but they're borrowing money to make a dividend. So, you know, there's a psychological effect, I think, for investors, always has been, that if you give a dividend, you feel warm and fuzzy. You go, oh, my company's making money. They're sharing it with me. Well, they may be. They may not be. Dividends are just declared. Other kinds of distributions, yields, we'll call it, can come from bond funds as opposed to stocks. They can come from real estate investment trusts, your rental real estate, alternative investments. Annuities can give you income, but but I wouldn't call it a dividend, of course. And so, you know, dividends, again, is just cash flow in, in the end. It's, it's really just a type of cash flow that can be derived from something. And when it's derived from stock market investments, we call it dividends. And Brian, when you get dividends, does that take away from your investment's growth? What I mean by that is because I'm getting some dividend disbursements, does that mean that my investment may not grow as much in terms of its value because they're giving me a little bit of that value along the way? 
Well, there is that. Uh, there's also the concept that if they're, they're paying dividends, they're signaling something to the investor. What they're signaling is that we're a mature company that has excess earnings. We have no use for it. We're not expanding necessarily. We're not growing. We're not innovating. And so we're just kind of a steady eddy. And so that's that's what they're signaling. A lot of companies are paying no dividends or very low dividends, and they're basically signaling, hey, we need to retain this cash. I think tech companies here uh, primarily, or Berkshire, that kind of company. But we need to retain this cash for future acquisitions or research and development or product development, different things that we want to grow the company and make the value of the stock more in the future. So we're going to hang, instead of giving you some cash flow from the our operations, we're going to just reinvest the whole thing. So they're signaling we want to grow the value of the company uh, over time and innovate the company over time as opposed to benefit you as a shareholder with cash flow, whereas, again, uh, dividend-paying stocks are, are signaling some something different. They're signaling, we're not all about growing the company. We're taking profits, presumably, and sharing them with the shareholders. And as we mentioned many times in the program before, that titles can be deceiving. It's not all that it's cracked up to be. And an example would be one of the more popular dividend groups is called the S&P 500 Aristocrats. Now, when I think of an aristocrat, I think of the top of the line here. But I think there's something else that's often ignored about the S&P 500 Aristocrats. Yeah, uh, one of the big takeaways, I was taking a look at that, and the first thing is people will, will look at their performance, go, oh, it has a very consistent average. But when you look at the annual returns, year by year, you'll notice, ooh, that can be very disparate. You can have years where you lost a lot of money, and it has had those years. And it hasn't been long, around all that long, by the way, that particular fund. Dividend-paying stocks have been, but, but that particular fund has not. But when you look at the annual returns, you go, oh, wait a second, we got some issues here. But I think the biggest issue for me that I took out of this is you might just go, oh, I read the article or I heard it on the radio, and it says just buy dividends stocks and you'll be fine. So I went out and I bought this fund and I'm going to use an example of a million dollars. So let's say somebody went online and they filled out some form, simplified form, and that's what we're kind of attacking in this segment here is simplification of financial planning and your individual retirement. And so you go online and you fill out a form and it says, you know, what's your number? And you type it in and my number is a million. Okay, well, I have a million dollars put away for retirement. I'll be just fine. And then the next article you read is put in a dividend stock and you'll be fine. And you go, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So you put all your million dollars that you, you did on this simplified questionnaire and asked you eight questions and knew everything about you. And you put in the million dollars into the dividend stock and you go to an advisor. Let's say you go to a big box advisor and they put you into these dividend ETFs and, and so forth. And I was looking at the average annual dividend payout, the yield on that, and it was surprisingly low. It was in the twos and the low twos. And after fees to the advisor, you go, wait a second here. I gave you a million dollars and how much cash flow do I get from my dividend stocks after I pay your fees? The answer might surprise you. It might be uh, right around 1%. And you go, oh, okay, I read these articles, I filled out the questionnaire, it said I needed a million, I had it, I gave it to the advisor, I put it in dividend stocks because it told me to, to buy dividend stocks, it'd be fine in retirement, and I get to live on $10,000 net of fees per year. I can't live on $10,000, what's wrong with this equation? Brian, for the purpose of our conversation right now, we're talking about dividend stocks, and I do want to talk about other uh, dividend investments. But for right now, do dividend stocks actually have to pay a dividend? I mean, my bills come every month, so should I really be expecting a dividend to be paid every month? No, they don't have to pay a, a dividend. Uh, they're declared by companies. And there's a couple things about that. Again, I, I mentioned that dividend yields are, are low. They've been dropping. Uh, they used to be much, much higher. But over the decades, they've been dropping, dropping, dropping. So just the term, oh, but I have dividends. Well, okay, that's fine. But as I just pointed out, how much are they? Are they enough to sustain the lifestyle you want to live? Oh, yeah, the 10000 a year on my million dollars net of fees? Probably not. So, okay, great. I like the word dividend. That makes me feel warm and fuzzy. But 10000 a year to live on retirement for my investments does not make me feel very warm and fuzzy. 
And so it's the amount of the dividends. And no, they aren't required. And there's different levels of dividends. You might be a preferred shareholder or you get your cash flow first before the common shareholders. And one of the other issues about the aristocrats that I did want to point out is one of the ways to get into that fund for a company is they have to be increasing their dividends every year. So these companies are motivated to stay. People want to buy them. They want people to buy their their shares. So they will increase their dividends regardless of their operating results to stay in there until they don't. And so I I saw that uh, recently uh, one large company got dropped because it significantly dropped its dividends. It knew it couldn't sustain it. It just had been doing it just to stay in the fund. But eventually it just said, nope, we're out. We're cutting our dividends way, way back or down to zero or whatever it was. And so, no, it's it's not a guarantee. But again, it's the quality of the dividend, the amount of the dividend, and what that means for the underlying share price that matters too. But you know, you, you don't have any promises that those dividends are going to sustain. And Brian, you mentioned in the example, maybe $10,000 off of a million dollar investment. Let's say that I get my $10,000. Now, obviously, in a year, I'm not going to be able to live off $10,000. So if that is the case, I mean, should you just take the 10000 use it, or do you think it's a wiser idea to take that 10000 and reinvest it? Well, you're still going to pay uh, taxes on the the dividends you reinvest. Right. Uh, so if it's in a non-qualified account, but generally speaking, I would think you have to live on that. And the problem here is, let's say you say, well, I needed you know a lot more than that to live on, uh, so I had to start selling the the underlying stocks. And boy, I sold it in a year when the dividend stocks were way down and that happens. And so now all of a sudden, oh wait, that million dollars is no longer a million dollars. I've been tacking the principal on that and the value of that has been going down. So no, that kind of strategy is kind of doomed to fail whenever you have down years. It's a sequence of return risk. Uh, that's just doomed to fail. Brian, this has been a great conversation about dividends and, in particular, dividend stocks. But if our listeners are listening to the conversation right now, you're hearing this and you're not sure that you understand dividends completely. You're not sure whether or not they have a place in your portfolio. Maybe you're looking for some other options. Well, this conversation is for you. We've got some good news. We've opened the phone lines for you right now at 833-673-7373. And we invite you to give us a call and request your Madrona analysis. It'll just be a casual conversation for you to ask your questions and speak openly about the options that you may have when it comes to dividend income, what's right for you, when to use them, and when not to use them. Once again, that telephone number, call it right now, 833-673-7373. The phone lines are open for you. You've got to have at least $500,000 or more of investable assets to qualify, but if you do, we'll send you out Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. Remember, this is a complimentary conversation. It is not going to cost you a dime. There is no obligation whatsoever. So what are you waiting for? Get your questions answered about dividend income by calling 833-673-7373. That's 833-673-7373. This one phone call could make all the difference. Brian, we've talked about the pros and cons of dividends, and sometimes there are misleading articles about this topic. Are you seeing any other articles out there that really aren't painting the full picture when it comes to investments? Well, it wasn't an article. I was driving around just last weekend, and I was listening to another show on the radio, okay. financial show, right. and I just about had to drive off into the ditch. <laughs> I was just, oh my gosh. So I, I have to talk about this. Normally, I wouldn't want to, but I've got to get this out there because this person was on there saying that they had an investment that would pay a 30% bonus wow. and have guaranteed annual rate of return of 8%, wow. guaranteed for life. Wow, that sounds perfect. So let's go back to our million dollar example. The million dollar example of the dividend ETF after fees that pays you maybe 1% a year, which wouldn't help your retirement. So, okay, well, I went online and you know found out I needed the million. I heard this person on the radio and they gave me the answer. All I need to do is give that person my million dollars and I'll be fine. Because that million dollars will have a $300,000 bonus. That insurance company just likes me so much and appreciates my business so much, they're going to drop 
dropped $300,000 into my account for nothing. And then they're going to promise me $80,000 a year on the original million dollars, 8% return. You know, I, I'm pretty good at math. 8% of a million dollars is 80 grand a year. So I don't need to worry about anything. I'll just give my million dollars to this person, a really nice sounded person on the radio, and everything is solved. Right, Jeff? Yeah, Brian. I mean, why wouldn't that be true? Well, because it's not. Oh. It's all a big fabrication. Okay. First off, let's start with the 30% bonus. Bonus, that sounds like money, right? Something I could spend someday. This is not 30% bonus. This is a calculation figure. A calculation figure is not something you can spend. So you cannot put a million dollars into that and say, well, I got $300,000 of calculation figure. Go down to the Tesla dealer and say, I would like to buy a Tesla here. Oh, what are you going to use for down payment, sir? I'm going to use a calculation figure. But that's not actually money. No, but it's on a printout, an illustration from the nice guy on the radio that told me that I got a bonus. But this isn't money, sir. You can't ever spend it. Yeah, but it's a calculation figure. I mean, it's it's not money. And so a 30% bonus that isn't money doesn't sound like any bonus to me whatsoever. When I say a calculation figure, what it is, it's a life annuity. And to figure out how much you get per month, which is actually money, you take a calculation figure multiplied by a percentage. And so what they do is they tell you about this massive calculation figure. We're going to bonus that thing up. And you believe that that means you're going to get more money per month. But what they also do at the same time is they ratchet down the percentage figure they're going to multiply that by because there's a certain amount they're willing to pay for life on an annuity. And so they'll they'll jack up the one and tell you, wow, this one's great. And they don't tell you about the second one. A times B equals C. They'll tell you about A. They'll jack up A. We'll give you bonuses. We'll give you extras. We'll we'll increase it at 8% a year. Uh, We'll do all this stuff to that. B is going to be really super low. But let's not talk about that. That's the man behind the curtain. Let's not even bring that one up. Because in the end, you're going to get a certain amount. So in my example, give this person a million dollars. You thought you got a $300,000 bonus. That bonus is not accurate. It doesn't exist. It's not even money. The 8% guaranteed return. Oh, most of us think of a return as profit. But in this case, it's not. It's another calculation figure. It's not even money. It's not 80000 a year. It's not real. And so in the end, you go, well, wait a second, can I pull 80 grand a year out of this annuity? And they, well, no, no, maybe, maybe it's closer to 50 or 60,000 a year. I'm like, oh, okay, so that's my return on investment? Uh, not exactly, because most of that is a return of principal. And so not only do you not get the, the bonus, you don't get the 80,000 a year. You maybe get 50 to 60,000 a year. Most of that's your own money. So when you pass away, that million dollars you put into it that you thought became a million three actually is zero. Someday that value will be zero. And so that's the reality of of what's there. So I'm listening on the radio and all I heard was 30% bonus, 8% guaranteed return. Hmm. In reality, in reality, none of that is true. It's a complete manipulation. It's terrible. I I just feel embarrassed that that, that's part of my industry and and that, you know, I've got to listen to this stuff on the radio alongside my own stuff, trying to put it straight out there. But I heard that and it just floored me. So people will will go to this person, give them their, their life savings and not find out till after the fact. And after the fact means you can't change your mind. Surrender fees, surrender periods, you're locked in. Too bad, so sad, moving on to the next sale. And so that is something that's very wrong with our industry right now. And Brian, that not only sounds not only like deception, but it sounds like outright lying. And I know that the industry is governed. I mean, how can people get away with that sort of thing? Well, that's the other thing. Uh, I'm a fiduciary, a person would say. A fiduciary, really. Yeah, you're required to act in the best interest of your clients. But boy, our regulations are kind of funny when it comes to that uh, because there is no right or wrong. So there really isn't any particular standard. I mean, there is supposedly is, but I don't think there really is one. I wrote an article on this once. I don't know how you can be a fiduciary or held to that standard if you only sell one product and you don't sell everything because you're going to be enticed to sell what you get paid for 
right? You know, if, if I get paid to sell a widget and, and not something else, I'm going to try and sell you a widget. That's just it. You know, it's the hammer nail thing. If I only have a hammer in my toolbox, you look like a nail. You don't look, don't look like something I want to cut, a board I want to cut. You look like a nail. And so we have to be very careful what we hear. I mentioned uh, at the start of this topic about dividend paying stocks being all you need and how that maybe didn't do it. Here's an example of a sales technique. And gosh, I, I wish we were regular. On, on this this respect, but we're not to obviously to the degree we need to be because this stuff's out there and people are talking about it. And, and there are people that want to hear what they want to hear. They like, I've talked to them before and they, well, this guy promised me this. And I go, well, does that make sense? Does it make sense that you get a 30% bonus with no risk and an 8% annual return? Well, he said so. He showed me a piece of paper and said, oh, I will. Okay, if you want to go somewhere, if you're listening right now and you want to, you're probably not this person, but if you want to go somewhere and hear what you want to hear, regardless of what the truth is, please don't call Madrona Financial. <laughs> We're not going to do that. But, you know, that's not who we are. But there's plenty of that out there. So just a word to the wise, you know, one of the reasons why salespeople have gotten a bad rap, I'm reading a book about this recently, in the old days, uh, it was because they had all the information and you as the consumer did not. Right. But times have changed. And so if you think about the auto industry, it used to be, you know, used car salespeople were at the bottom of the barrel, you know, mistrusted because they knew whether that car you were looking at was a lemon or not. Mm-hmm. You don't. And you just had to take their word on it, which they're going to tell you, you know, whatever they're going to tell you well that has changed now we got carfax we can look up reviews on the dealership on the car on all kinds of things see what people are paying you know you're armed with information but unfortunately when you listen even to the radio and and you go talk to somebody and they're telling you 30 percent bonus eight percent guarantees all this stuff you don't have the information behind the scenes you can't look that up on carfax you can't analyze that so it occurred to me that gosh even used car sales people probably they have a better rap right now than annuity salesperson out there because of the who owns the information, who does not, and whether you can trust them or not. And I would say, you know, buyer beware on, on this stuff. Understand that when somebody's dumbing it down for you and it sounds too good to be true, probably is. And I would suspect most people listening to this show right now don't want a dumbed down financial plan that they find out a year later or a month later is not going to work whatsoever. They're locked in. There's nothing they can do to change it for a long period of time and they made a huge mistake with their their own finances and their own retirement. So Brian, if our listeners are interested in just cash flow, what are some of the other things that they might want to consider? Yeah, I mean there's there's as we talk about on the show, there's about six places you can put money. And as I mentioned, if you're held to fiduciary standard, then uh, I think it's important that you can offer all six, not just one, not just go to one place to solve your, your financial planning. And so uh, the first area, cash, cash equivalents, certainly you can get interest from various vehicles there. There's the annuity space. There are different kinds of annuities that can provide income, be part of that solution. The stock market, we talk about dividend paying stocks. They may have a place in your portfolio. And so uh, dividend paying stocks through that, bond funds or individual bonds, they can pay interest for your, your cash flow in retirement. There's REITs, real estate investment trusts, uh, rental real estate where you're an active landlord, that kind of thing. There's alternative investments, credit funds, Delaware statutory trusts. There's all kinds of different places, uh, basically, Jeff, where someone could put together their cash flow, their retirement cash flow for their retirement. But just using one of those areas and saying, hey, this is all anybody needs that's listening to the show today or that's, that's uh, you know reading my article or reading my book, just to say just one is going to fix it for everybody seems pretty short-sighted to me. But we actually have access to all of these. We know uh, all these areas quite well. We use them. Not all of them for everybody. So all of our clients will have uh, some of those things I just mentioned, but not probably all of them will have everything I just mentioned. It depends on you and, and your situation as to what combination and permutation of all these investment strategies work best for you. And Brian, I think based on a conversation today, we have covered so much information about dividends. I'm pretty sure that our listeners may have some questions about this. So if you're one of those listeners, you want to have a conversation to speak openly about the options that you may have when it comes to dividends or cash flow. You want more than just a simple strategy. You want to know when to use and when to not use dividend income. Then I've got some good news for you. We have opened our phone lines right now, 833-673-7373 for you to make a call and ask for your 
your Madrona analysis, which will include a conversation about dividends, as well as any other things that may be on your mind about retirement. Once again, that number, 833-673-7373. Now, remember, it doesn't make any difference when you're listening to the program. You can call anytime, and that is right now, and get a live person on the line who will take some basic information from you, then set you up with a conversation with a Madrona advisor. Now, remember, this analysis is not going to cost you a dime. It is totally complimentary for you to ask your questions that puts you on the road to a prosperous retirement that could last as long as 30 years. Once again, that telephone number, call it right now, 833-673-7373. This is so important, I think, for you to have this conversation and ask for your Madrona analysis. You must have at least $500,000 or more of investable assets to qualify, but if you do, of course, we'll send you out Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. So make that call right now, 833-673-7373, 833-673-7373, and ask for your complimentary Madrona analysis. This one call could make all the difference. Brian, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about your comprehensive investment menu, what that entails. All that and more when Growing Your Wealth continues. Stay tuned. Big trees fall when storms hit because they don't have deep enough roots. The same goes with your finances. Your quality of life depends on how deep your financial roots are today, tomorrow, and for years to come. If you want to learn how to design your retirement to last 30 plus years, then grab your copy of Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement by calling Madrona Financial and CPAs at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now back to more of Growing Your Wealth. Welcome back to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. And coming up, Brian and I are going to be discussing your comprehensive investment menu. But first, let's bring on one of the partners of Madrona Financial, Dr. Richard Hemmer, who's going to be sharing a quick message on the psychology of retirement. Richard? Thank you, Jeff. Retirement's a concept many eagerly anticipate, envisioning a well-deserved respite after years of hard work. But have you ever pondered the origins of retirement itself? The notion of retirement is relatively modern, tracing back only a century ago when people typically worked until they could no longer continue. The term retire held a vastly different meaning in those times. Our contemporary understanding of retirement took root in the late 1800s, thanks to German Chancellor Otto von Bismarck. Confronting unrest among unemployed youth, Bismarck instituted pensions for older Germans, incentivizing them to exit the workforce at 70. This move, albeit politically driven, laid the groundwork for retirement as a distinct life stage. However, given the era's average life expectancy of around 40 years, many never lived to benefit from these pensions. Subsequently, after Bismarck's death, the German legislature reduced the retirement age to 65. Fast forward to 1935, when President Roosevelt signed the Social Security Act in the United States, pledging government pensions for those aged 65 and older. The choice of 65 likely mirrored the Prussian retirement age, aligning with the average life expectancy of 62 at the time. Today, with life expectancy nearly 20 years longer on average, questions arise. Should retirement age be pushed back? Does 65 still signify the ideal time to exit the workforce? These inquiries prompt debates over adjusting traditional retirement age norms. The concept of retirement has undergone a remarkable evolution in a relatively brief span, from non-existence to being regarded as a deserved entitlement, a fitting reward for years of dedication and professional service. For many, retirement symbolizes the long-awaited pot of gold at the end of life's rainbow, a period for travel, family time, new pursuits, or simply relaxation. Yet realizing this fulfilling retirement vision necessitates careful planning. Enter Brian Evans and me. We've spent years exploring the psychological aspects of retirement, and now we're thrilled to launch a podcast delving into retirement's psychological, emotional, social, and health dimensions. Join us as we uncover how retirement can truly be life's bonus chapter, well, given proper preparation. Visit HowNotToRetire.com 
and subscribe to our podcast where we discuss the keys to a fulfilling retirement. That's hownottoretire.com. Kind of a play on what not to do. Once there, you can subscribe to the podcast, join our newsletter, and even schedule a consultation with a trained advisor. Additionally, I've authored several ebooks addressing emotional intelligence skills pivotal in shaping your retirement journey. That's hownottoretire.com. I'll see you there. Thank you, Richard. Brian, as you've mentioned many times before in the program here, investments and products are nothing more than tools to help you build a plan and a portfolio that can support your lifestyle. When you first start talking with someone, Brian, how do you find people really grasp how to correctly use these tools in their plan and portfolio? Well, I think it's difficult for a lot of folks simply because you can get information overload trying to learn about all the different products that are available. And part of the reason for that is, again, as I mentioned earlier on the show, that a lot of the information we're presented is really dumbed down. You know, it's like you just need a certain number for retirement. You just need a certain product, a certain strategy. Here's the latest, greatest one. This works. Well, if that's the case, you know, I was thinking about this, Jeff. If there was a strategy that worked, wouldn't it have worked 20 years ago or... 30 years ago right and we just keep doing the same thing over and over and everybody would be doing it because clearly finances have been around since before the bible i mean way back then i mean so isn't there just a strategy that should just work and we all do it and we're all happy and and retire well well no there isn't why is that well things change out there and so with things changing all the time no one strategy is going to be okay all the time so for instance if we look at index funds and I, i recently read a headline said, I'm a financial advisor, invest in these three assets to be set for life, index funds, dividend stocks, and rental properties. And that was it. I was like, wow, okay, once again, somebody giving financial advice to somebody you've never even met or talked to. You don't know anything about their situation. So let's start with index funds. I could show you graph upon graph why that's all you need to do. And I could sell that all day long if I was a salesperson that, that didn't care. And I would put everybody in the index funds and show them the 100-year graph of how well they've done. Problem is, I could also come up with the graphs that show you how your finances and your retirement are devastated depending on when you started investing in index funds in your retirement, especially if you're pulling money out of that. And so we've seen it several times in my career that uh, we had big stock market crashes. If you started pulling money out of index funds to live on and then you had a crash, uh, you've got something called sequence of return risks. It pulls principal out of your accounts that can never recover because you've taken that money out to spend it to live on. And now all of a sudden you're way down and you're going, oops, this isn't working. I had a retirement plan. My plan got upended because I had all my eggs in the index bucket. And that index bucket, you know, whether it was 911.com, 2008 banking crisis, COVID, whatever, uh, recessions, inflation, that's one thing. The other thing about that is I would love to talk to anybody that can tell me exactly what the markets are going to do these next 20 years, 30 years. That can tell me whether we're going to have international conflicts, financial problems, whether our debt's going to be a massive problem going forward, who's going to be elected, what party's in charge, is our spending going to get under control, or what the effects will be when it isn't under control for a long period of time as it has been for a long time. And so since we don't know all these, all these uncertainties, again, putting all your money like in an index fund can have all kinds of issues. And so that's just one piece of that article I read where, hey, these three things will fix everything. But I've already kind of nailed the, the one that maybe maybe that isn't such a great idea. And I think the takeaway from this conversation, Brian, is that this is nothing more than what we call clickbait. And we've all seen these headlines. You look at this, and sometimes they're just fantastic. And the whole purpose of these headlines is to do nothing more than to get you to click on that article. Because when you click on that article, it registers and somebody gets paid. And unfortunately, clickbait is all too common, not only in mass media, but particularly when it comes to financial topics. Because, again, going back to something that we talked about in the last segment, people want to believe, they really want to be led, and they really want to believe that there is a perfect investment when in reality, nothing is perfect when it comes to investing. Yeah, we all want the easy button where something seems so simple and and. 
any of these things, yeah, these clickbaits, you go to the article and you read it and go, wow, that's so simple. It just solved all my problems. This stranger who's not a financial advisor got me to click on an article written by somebody who I don't know, who doesn't know me, who just solved everything for me. All I have to do is buy X, Y, or Z or maybe just three things and everything will be solved. And I'm here to tell you that is not the best way to do financial planning. That's not even a good way at all. There's just too many things that can go wrong with an individual investment. As we talk about on the show all the time, tools in the toolbox, There's we have all these different tools that we can use, but relying on one is just not gonna get the job done. And Brian, earlier in our conversation, I mentioned this comprehensive investment menu that I wanted to talk about. I mean, there was uh, this deli that you used to go to in Los Angeles the menu was like eight pages long. It must have had 500 different things that you could order from that menu. It was really overwhelming. So I want to talk about in our menu, basically six things that are on the menu and talk about the pros and cons of those. And I want to start off with cash and cash equivalents. Yeah, I don't want to indicate that uh, financial planning is, is too complicated for anybody to do. It's what we do. And we have that big six page menu to pick from, but we're not going to present everything on the menu. It's in compartments and menus are breakfast, lunch, dinner. Okay. I can ignore right. two of them because maybe it's late and I don't have to look at the breakfast or lunch menu. I'll look at the dinner menu, whatever, but we break it down and we do the heavy lifting for you. Once we've gotten to know you, your situation, done a financial plan, understand your cash flow needs, your legacy needs, your, your spousal needs, growth needs, all that kind of stuff. Once we've done that analysis, it gets a lot easier for us to put together a plan of, of how those investments would look. But one of the things we generally always have to solve for, for retirement planning is cash flow cash flow planning. And as I talked about earlier on the show, some people read an article that said, just buy this dividend stock and I'll be fine or this ETF. And we already talked about after fees that that dividend would not be even nearly adequate for most people based upon a, even a million dollars put away or, or more. And so we also talked about how an annuity structure where you're promised a 30% bonus and 8% returns, which both are false statements, by the way, that that wouldn't have solved the problem either. It doesn't solve for inflation later on for most annuities that pay a, a flat payout for life. Most of the money coming from your payment from a lifetime annuity might be principal and not earnings, and there won't be any legacy asset if you live long enough. So these are issues that aren't often brought up. And so again, one product just doesn't do it. But as we look at cash flow and retirement, we start with one of the six areas we can invest in is cash. You want to have some liquidity. Uh, you got to have some liquidity. So you don't have to always have all your money earning money. I have people tell me that all the way. I, I got to have my money working for me all the time. And they go, yeah, but weren't you going to buy a car in a couple months? Yeah, let's invest that money. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Just have that and checking your savings and have it available. Uh, having liquidity for a purpose is fine. Having liquidity for your spending. You know, Maybe you say, well, I need 10000 a month to live on. Great. We're going to put some money aside and we're not going to invest that money. You know, we'll earn some interest on it, but that's the way to do that. There's high yield savings, which often are not high yield. Just the word is high yield, but they don't pay that much. Money markets, different places. Brokerage accounts often can have very high payouts right now, but that's really short-term money. Uh, I'll put CDs in this realm too as a way to get interest from the cash and cash equivalents. So Brian, I want to talk about these one at a time. We have just talked about cash and cash equivalents. Let's move on now to equities. What do we need to know about equities to support this position in our plan? Yeah, and I'm framing this as it relates to cash flow. So equities, when we look at equities, stocks can pay dividends and, and there can be ETFs or mutual funds that are dividend paying and all of that. We talked about that earlier on the show. But one of the issues there is that dividend yields have been coming down over the decades and they are nowhere near where they used to be decades ago on average. So it used to be we could rely on a dividend portfolio and it would pay me fund our retirement adequately for what we needed. But anymore, that's really difficult to do unless you're willing to target certain sectors of the economy, and that can come at great risk. We saw that in 2008 when the highest dividend-paying stocks were in real estate and banks, and the two areas that got hammered the, the most were real estate and banks. And so people that used to get all their income from Washington Mutual stock or whatever, it's like, okay, I'm going to use equities. I'm going to use my Washington Mutual. And I tell the, the story I had, of course, of the, the widow, the 80-something-year-old widow who had $4 million of Washington Mutual, and she wouldn't diversify. And seven months after I met her, she wouldn't move any of the money out of that. 
her value was zero in her stock. And so her $200,000 annual dividend went to zero. Her stock value went to zero. She was broke at 81 or so. And so just relying on stocks or mutual funds or ETFs can be an issue, uh, especially after fees, after investment fees, uh, because the yields just aren't great enough. But they can provide, they can be part of the mix though. I'm not saying it shouldn't be. Just as liquid assets can be part of your financial mix, so can equities and the dividends that they offer. Brian, I'm sure that our listeners may have some questions about our conversation today. If you're one of those people, even though you may be listening on the weekend right now, our phone lines are open right now to allow you to request your complimentary Madrona analysis. That number is 833-673-7373, 833-673-7373. And as I said, the phone lines are open right now. So, Brian, we have talked about cash and cash equivalents. We've talked about equities. Let's go on now to uh, bonds. Yeah, bonds can pay uh, interest in, in various forms. You can own individual bonds. And so one of the positives to that is that you know what interest rate you're going to get. And you know if you keep it to maturity that, that you'll be fine there if they pay it off, of course. You won't have any loss of principal. Problem is, though, a lot of bonds are longer term. And so you buy a 30-year bond, you may not want to wait 30 years to cash that thing out. Uh, there's all different kinds of bonds. There's corporate versus treasury type bond, government bonds, U.S. versus foreign. Some people go, well, I can solve my cash flow issue with bonds. I'll just go buy high-yield bonds. They pay a really high percentage. Well, another name for high yield bonds is junk bonds. You're buying junk bonds. The payer may not pay back the principal. That's why they're called high yield bonds. That's why they are, are called junk bonds, one and the same. And so that can be an issue. You, know, you can go right now and go on Yahoo Finance and, and sort for, uh, give me anything that yields more than 6%. You'll get stuff above 10 and you go, well, there it is. I'm going to put it in that. Well, I would also suggest then you click on the, the graph of the valuation of that fund over time. If you go back far enough, you go, ooh, there are times when these things just got hammered. I mean, lost way more than 50% of their value. And, you know, you, you think you're all, all fine until you're not. And so I run into people that have gone with that approach. They just sorted on Yahoo. Just give me the highest paying dividend yield things out there. Oh, there are these ETFs, bond ETFs and so forth. And they put their money into it only to find that it wasn't what it was all cracked up to be. There was, there was a reason why they had to pay such a high yield. The reason was that they were junk bonds and uh, they maybe failed at different points in time in history. We're talking about this comprehensive investment menu at Madrona Financial. And of course, we've talked about cash, cash equivalents. We've talked about equities and bonds. For some people, Brian, I think they're led to believe that insurance products will solve all of their problems. Yeah, that's because the industry's telling them that. You know, it's it's like, well, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And so be very careful about the information you're getting about annuities. They can play a very important function in a retirement portfolio. However, they are not the and all be all, as I was sharing, you know, when I listen to the radio on the weekends, I'll, I'll hear these, these claims about what they can do, and they're just not accurate. They're not telling the whole story. So annuities come in different forms. There can be uh, variable annuities that are tied to the stock market that have really high fees. I don't operate with those. There is fixed annuities, which are kind of like a CD, but they have a higher interest rate generally. And they're for a longer period of time. That can be a good thing, by the way, because you lock that insurance company in for a longer period of time. And then there's something called fixed index annuities. And they come in two flavors. So basically, you can buy a fixed index annuity for accumulation, where it's basically a secure asset. It, can't, it doesn't go down in value when the market's bad. You don't get all of the gains in the market like some people suggest that I hear, but you get some of the gains of the market when the market's up and you don't take a loss when it's down. So that can be a, a good for accumulation. The other kind is the one I was talking about with the lifetime cash flow. Understand though, that with an annuity that gives you a lifetime cash flow, some of that cash flow you're getting, maybe a majority of it is your own principal coming back. So when you pass away, there may not be any money from that investment to pass to your heirs. And so if that's not a big deal, then okay, that can be a bigger 
component of your retirement planning. If it is a big deal, maybe it is or is not a portion of your portfolio because, you know, everybody does want cash flow. They can, you know, that's the upside is it's cash flow you can count on for the rest of your life. And hopefully if you did buy a lifetime cash flow annuity that your payments can go up over time to offset some inflation. If not, then understand what you're getting into. That You might be signing up for a flat cash flow for life that's going to go away, that some of that money coming back is principal. But if you're okay with that and that accentuates your cash flow properly for your particular plan, then that can be an okay asset to invest in too. And I want to underline this, something that you said, Brian, is that annuities may or may not have a place in a portfolio. We have talked about five things your money can do for you, and two of them are security and growth. And I think that annuities, being that they're insurance company products, have a plus or a little star next to security, but maybe, you know, they're not growing as much as you would like them to. So there are pros and cons to all of these. Let's talk about real estate now. That's something that I think that everybody has questions about. Yeah, real estate is a massive asset class. It isn't talked a lot about on the radio. They talk about annuities and stock market. Real estate markets, again, massive asset class, way bigger than the annuity markets, and even bigger than the stock market. It's it's one of the biggest markets there are when you count uh, residential real estate, too. So there's so many different kinds of, of real estate. Just topically, there's your principal residence and second home. So there's your personal real estate. There's your actively managed rental real estate. It could be a, a house. It could be an industrial park. It could be a fourplex. It could be an office building, whatever. All different kinds of real estate. There's so many, uh, too many to name on here that you directly own and manage yourself or have a property manager for. Then there's passive real estate. Uh, it could be publicly traded real estate investment trusts where you pool your money with other investors on the liquid market, which had some problems recently when when there was a run on the bank, essentially. There's private non-traded real estate investment trusts, another pooling into particular types of asset classes. There's Delaware statutory trusts, which are great for uh, 1031 exchanges. They qualify for that, whereas other types of real estate do not. There's qualified opportunity zone investments. And so different kinds of real estate are out there. Some are, are good for people. I, I mentioned earlier, I, I read this article that said, all you need is three things, uh, dividend stocks, index funds, and, and rentals. And I'm like, okay, well, we talked about how dividend stocks may not get you there for cash flow by themselves, or the uh, index funds certainly wouldn't. What about rentals? Some people just say, well, I'm just going to go out and buy a rental house and I'll, I'll be good because real estate's where it's at. I'm like, well, if you're not good at buying and you're not good at fixing up, you're not a landlord by trade, that's a business. And so a lot, I've seen a lot of people get into it and go, oops. That was a mistake and your timing is super important and your location is super important. I remember the, the client that she inherited her, her dad's fortune, 2007, bought I think about 13 houses in Phoenix, 2008 crashed and by 2009 her inheritance was gone, completely, 100% gone. Conversely, uh, if you bought those houses in 2009, your real estate's way up. You're very wealthy. You're going, real estate's the best thing ever. And I'm talking about the same 13 houses. So for one person, it busted their entire inheritance for life and busted all their finances. For the person that bought it, they're one of the richest people I know. You know, So it, your timing can matter on this stuff uh, greatly. And so real estate can be a really good cash flow generator. One of the best areas out there, in, in my opinion, if you do it right. So it absolutely can be a component of a properly situated financial plan, especially as it relates to generating cash flow for your retirement. And as you said, it can be a component. It is not guaranteed to be a major component or at least a component that will generate a lot of money for you. And I think about, you know, the people who say, well, I'm getting a 10% return on my real estate when in reality, you as a CPA, I mean, you drill it down, they're really getting about 2%. Another area of real estate that has uh, come to light in recent years has been Verbos, VRBOs, where people will buy a property and they will rent it out for a day or a week or so. But that also comes with problems, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. In my world, the tax return doesn't lie. And people say, yeah, I'm making 10%. I'm like, well, I'm looking at your tax return. That's not what this thing says. Nope. <laughs> so unless it's inaccurate, that's not accurate. And I think, uh, you know, you mentioned something about, okay, rates of return. I looked at a graph from 1870 till now, and you know, this asset class does X, Y, and Z. Well, frankly, I don't really care what it did in 1870 or 
1920 <laughs> or whatever anymore anyway. I care about what it's going to do in the future, and that graph doesn't exist. So whatever asset class you're thinking about, the future graph doesn't exist or what it's going to do. And that's probably the, the biggest takeaway from what we're talking about here. It's not that any asset class is obviously all good nor all bad, but even with all the research in the world, all the graphs in the world, all the data in the world, we could say, well, these asset classes do X, Y, and Z. Well, do they in 2025, in 2035, in 2040? I don't know. And because I don't know and you don't know and nobody knows, including the people writing articles that say they know, nobody does. And so that's why we need access to all these different asset classes to take into account the unknown. We don't know the uncertainty that is just built into any investment class. Every investment class has uncertainty. Your life has uncertainty, your needs, your uh, the world around you, inflation, uh, interest rates, whatever. Everything's uncertain. And so we need to access all that. So yeah, real estate can be a very important thing. And I, I think it's probably one of the areas, in fact, I'm speaking soon in Dallas on this topic to a bunch of financial advisors there about inclusion of real estate in portfolios, because a lot of them really kind of dumb it down again to a couple things, maybe just annuities or just dividend stocks or maybe just a combination of those two and they ignore real estate as an asset class completely if you're just joining us you're listening to brian evans madrona financial we're talking about the uh, investments in a comprehensive investment plan we've covered cash we've covered equities bonds insurance products real estate real quick uh, i want to get into alternatives these are things mostly for qualified investors brian yeah, qualified investors, accredited investors, they need to have certain net worth requirements for a lot of things I'm talking about. For instance, I was just talking about real estate and 1031 exchanges using Delaware Statutory Trust. Well, you have to have a million dollar net worth outside of your principal residence to even have that conversation about that. But I know a lot of my clients that own rentals and real estate, investment real estate, are in their 60s, 70s, 80s. They don't want to be climbing on a roof at that point in their life. So they like to have that conversation. I mentioned how real estate is often overlooked by financial advisors, but so are alternative investments overlooked by many financial advisors, I'll say. Uh, that can include private equity, which is generally a longer-term development type project real estate, uh, not stuff that's already built, but has maybe higher potential upside, but also a higher downside because it's the unknowns. It hasn't been developed yet. Private lending, where you can get uh, higher interest earnings on different investments, lending out, being part of a fund there. Oil and gas partnerships, uh, limited partnerships are out there. And one of the big areas uh, that we deal with a lot is the sale of your business. So I'll call that an alternative investment because it's a catch-all for anything that's not in the other categories. But the sale of your business is a huge area. We've talked about this on the show. I've, I've recorded stuff on my website on it. If you are thinking about selling your business someday, please come talk to us to talk about the tax ramifications as well as how to uh, maximize your income working with a proper business broker. We'll be doing shows in the future about a uh, more in-depth dive on this with business brokers. And uh, I want to talk about this. But if you're thinking about selling your business, that's certainly something that we can chat with you about. If you're listening to the program today and you're saying to yourself, you know, I don't completely understand or maybe I don't have all the information that I need about my retirement portfolio, you want to have a conversation with an advisor about about the options that you may have, when to use a product, when not to use a product, we've got some good news for you. Even though it is the weekend, you can give us a call right now, 833-673-7373, and request your Madrona analysis. Again, this is totally complimentary. It's not going to cost you a dime. So make that call right now, 833-673-7373. As I said, it's not going to cost you a dime, but this one call could make all the difference. Brian, we're out of time for this week. But I want to thank you for your time. And most importantly, I want to thank our listeners for joining us. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Thanks for listening to us this week. Go out and have a great weekend, won't you? We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth show should constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your own individual information. Brian Evans and Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation and diversification, 
obligation guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes. DSD investments are only available to accredited investors and offered solely through the issuer's offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents. Madrona Financial and CPAs is a registered trade name used singly and collectively for the affiliate entities. Madrona Financial Services, LLC, Madrona, and Bauer Evans, Inc., PC. Bauer Evans. Investment advisory services are provided through Madrona. CPA services are provided through Bauer Evans.